Alright, well hey everybody. Thanks for joining us. My name's Adam Congdon. I'm the counseling pastor here at Northridge Church. I also have the joy of coaching some of our incredible group leaders. Some of you are in here. Um, I've been attending Northridge for more than 20 years. Uh, and I've been part of groups here for the 15 years that we've had them. I joined the staff like 11 years ago. And I've been in this role as a counseling pastor for the last year and a half. This is my amazing wife, Jennifer. Uh, I asked her to join me tonight. So as she tells you a little bit about her and our family, I'm going to put a picture of our family up here for you. So Adam and I have been married for 18 years. We have four kiddos. Uh, Lexi is two, Josh is 11, Addie is 13, and Isaac is 15. Our current adventure right now is homeschooling. We just started our second year of homeschooling and currently still loving it. Um, I also get to serve with my kids here on Sunday mornings. We serve together in Kids Men in the cafe, and we love it. And Adam and I love serving together, even in things like this. And serving at our church together as a family is just something that we really value. Yeah, so like Jason talked about today, um, the, what we're focusing on is pursuing Christ. And I was super thankful for his talk and an opportunity to do communion again. I think this is the first time I've ever done communion twice in one day. Um, <laughs> but that was awesome. Uh, and... So when it comes to pursuing Christ, Jen and I don't, we don't claim to have arrived uh, when it comes to pursuing Christ, but he has brought us on a journey. um, And we wanted to just take some time to talk about what it's looked like for us to pursue pursue Christ over the years. And so throughout our time together tonight, we're going to mention like a ton of resources. So don't feel like you have to write them all down. In the app, there's like breakout notes. Our notes are just the list of resources that we're going to talk about tonight. And I'm going to email them to all of you who registered. And if you didn't register and you still want that by the email, just let me know afterwards. I'll add you to the list and we'll make sure you get all of that. But the title of our breakout is From Checklist to Intimacy with Christ. And so if you RSVP'd for this breakout really early, like super early, like in the first week or so that Jason sent this thing out, it had a different title. And you maybe are confused why this is the title, because you signed up for something else. It was called First Domino. Okay, and so in just a bit, I'm going to share that illustration and how God used it to change my walk with him a few years ago. But then I want to give you an opportunity to hear from Jen what it looks like for her to pursue Christ. But we're also going to take some time to open it up to you guys. So you, you, we've primed the pump a little bit with those discussion questions at your table. If your table is anything like our table, half of our table didn't get time to share. So if you didn't get time to share, you get to go first. We're going to ask you guys about what it's looked like for you to pursue Christ and what God's used to help you draw closer to him. Then we're going to talk about some next steps, and then we'll open it up for uh, time and question questions or comments or anything else and like brad mentioned the reward for all of that is some delicious ice cream so we want to jump right in but first i want to take you back in time just a little bit it's the summer of 2019 okay are you there in your minds you remember the summer of 2019 where you were the world had not even heard of covid yet so it was a beautiful place but at that point i'd been on staff here for about eight and a half years And if you asked me about my pursuit of Christ, I would have said that it was good. I would have said that it was better than most, frankly. Um, I would have said that it was good enough. But in hindsight, it wasn't. Uh, My time with Christ was sporadic. I'd have stretches of like a couple of weeks where I'd pray and read my Bible every day. But I wasn't getting much out of my reading. Um, And my prayer time was hurried at best. And other times, it was just a struggle for me to consistently spend time with Christ. If, if I had an early meeting that day, or if I woke up late because I was up late the night before, 
if I just didn't feel like it, I would skip it. And uh, my time with him was a checklist item. If I missed it, I'd just try to get back to it when I could. I'd pray for tough times for sure. Uh, If you asked me, I would have said my goal was to please God. Um, But I had some regular long stretches filled with depression and anxiety. Anger and irritability were pretty prevalent in my life. And it was a reflection of my relationship with God. It impacted all of my relationships uh, to with everyone on, on some level, but especially those that were closest to me and those that knew me the best. And so with that context of my spiritual condition on that day, I walked into a meeting. It's a monthly staff meeting here at Northridge. It's called Leadership Lunch. And there we like engage with content that's designed to make us as staff members better leaders. And to be honest, I often viewed those meetings as a waste of time. And I'm looking at Scott Bixby right in this room. And they're they're his meetings. I didn't know Scott was going to be here today. Okay? So I would view them as just one more meeting that would keep me away from a growing to-do list. I was just happy they included a free lunch. (laughs) And usually that was the only bright spot in my mind. But God had plans for me that day. And so that meeting changed the trajectory of my pursuit of Christ. So I didn't think I'd get this upset and and, uh, verklempt, but Jason got me crying earlier and then all the people at our table. So we watched a a video of a sermon by a guy named Chip Ingram. Uh, He's a pastor of a large church in California. He's the author of a lot of books, uh, and he's someone that speaks regularly uh, to leaders at conferences. And so his talk was called First Domino. That's where I stole that first title. Um, so he opened about telling about when his wife was diagnosed with cancer and how it just radically changed his life. And so um, he cleared his schedule so that he could be there with her for all of her treatments. Things on his schedule that seemed really important to him all of a sudden were meaningless. Right? And he shared that crisis brings clarity. It helps us focus on what's most important, causes us to change our priorities and how we spend our time. He talked about how your first domino is what gets you up in the morning. It's what matters the most to you. It determines everything about your life. And he said your number one priority should be to know God and to enjoy him. And so often in ministry, just like we talked about in that large group session, we lose sight of that goal, and instead it becomes something else. It becomes about what we do for God. And he shared this quote from A.W. Tozer, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And so he talked about this book by A.W. Tozer, The Knowledge of the Holy. It's all about the attributes of God. And so Chip, when he first started out in ministry, he read this book over and over again. There's 23 chapters, each one with a different attribute of God. And he talked about how formative it was for him to know all about who God was. And he challenged us to do the same thing, to read a chapter a day. And so Scott was super generous and offered for anyone who was willing to read it that they could take a copy of this book. And so I felt like God was telling me I needed to get my first domino in place. So I took a copy of the book. And then I went home and I made this. I found this double zero domino. And I wrote in the empty spaces, no one enjoy. And then God on the background. And then I just put it on my nightstand so that every morning when I woke up, I would see that domino and know I've got to get my first domino in order. And so, um, by God's grace, over those next 23 days, during my time with Christ, I didn't miss a day of reading a chapter of this book. And I prayed that God would change me and he would change my priorities. And boy, did he. I started to love 
my time with Christ each morning. So when I was done with that book, I started uh, the Bible recap plan on Uversion. I don't know if any of you are familiar. Tara Lee Cobble, she's, she founded like D groups, but she has a, a plan as a chronological plan. And she, um, she records a podcast every day about the reading. And so what jumped out to her from that day in the reading and just listening to that was really helpful. It was encouraging on the days where I missed something. I was like, oh, I didn't see that. Let me go back and look at that again. And it was also encouraging on the days where I saw what she saw. That was really helpful to me. And then that fall, I had the opportunity to go away to 12 Stones Counseling um, Intensive with a friend. I went as an advocate. They were going through a tough time. And I went to kind of be there to support them. And it was like eight hours of counseling for three days. It was really intense, right? And so, but we'd like eat lunch together. And so uh, we were eating lunch with this counselor and he asked me if I had ever considered counseling before and said I had a good demeanor for it. And I was like, yeah, I did, but I had a full-time job, pretty demanding. We had five kids at the time. We were doing foster care. And I, I felt like God was moving though. So Jen and I talked about it. We prayed about it and we stepped out in faith. So I started taking classes at CCEF because I wanted to help other people. And so the, the first class is called Dynamics of Biblical Change. It's all about how God changes people. And I thought I was going to find out, all right, how does God change other people? And so what I learned is that God really needed to change me. So I didn't learn about counseling in that first class so much as I learned how to self-counsel. And so I engaged with biblical resources that challenged me, spurred me on to everyday faithfulness in Christ. And I started to view all the circumstances of my life through a biblical worldview. I was seeing my sin more accurately. I was seeing God more accurately. And I was seeing how he was using the circumstances of my life to reveal my sin and empowering me to change to look more like Christ. And that radically changed my prayer life. I started praying every day for specific sin struggles that I was wrestling with. I used uh, Uversion's prayer list. I don't know if any of you guys are using that. Um, but I would capture the specific sin I was struggling with a prayer of dependence, and then a scripture that correlated with that struggle. My list got so long, I had to break some out into like, I'd pray for this on Monday and this on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, and it was, it was crazy because as I started to pray more intentionally, you know, he was changing me and it was happening quickly. Um, and I was living more intentionally because I was praying intentionally. And so that first domino, knowing God and enjoying him, was knocking down other dominoes in my life. My desire for God to use me to help others change led me to uh, let him to show me how he needed and planned to change me. And so I know most, most of this might be hard to believe, so I brought a witness. So, Jen, can you, <laughs> can you just share what it was like as you got to see God uh, making these changes in me? Yeah, you know, the more you hang around someone, the more you become like them, for better or for worse. And you cannot hang around Jesus more and not be changed. Mm-hmm. And the things that we saw in Adam were so, so many quick changes. There was a piece in him that I hadn't seen before. Um, a spiritual desire that was elevated. Um, he would come home from work now and want to talk about his day, how he'd seen God work or answers to prayer or what he saw in his quiet time that morning. Um, he's talked a little bit about his issues with anger. And all of a sudden, he's like responding to our crazy children with calmness and I was like, wait a second, you're supposed to be the angry one, I'm supposed to be the calm one. Um, You know, but like any of us, we all fall. The Bible says that even a righteous man falls seven times and gets back up again. The humility that Adam would show when he did fall and he would sin is he would be very quick to come to me or the children or a friend and say, you know, hey, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said this or done this. You know, will you forgive me? 
Um, and it was just the changes in him were seeping, like he's saying, into every aspect of his life. Yeah, and the, for us, the timing couldn't have been better because it wasn't too long after this that COVID did happen. And then we spent a lot of time as a family in the same house. And so to be honest, if I had been in that same spiritual condition, it could have been a really, really challenging time for our family. But it became a really sweet and special time for us. And it knit our family together in a lot of special ways. And so that next fall, just a little more than a year later, I was offered the position of the counseling pastor here in Northridge. And now I get to walk alongside other people and see God make the same changes in their lives for those people that come looking for help. But it all started with that first domino, to know and enjoy God. And so that's my story of my checklist item, becoming intimacy with Christ and leading to a life devoted to him, seeing him work and move in everything. But it's just one story though. And so God works in lots of different ways. And so Jen, why don't you share what it's looked like for you to pursue Christ over the years? Yeah, I am a huge to-do list person. I love crossing things off a checklist. Even if I forget to write something down and do it, I'll go back to my checklist and write it down so I can cross it off. I am a checklist person. Um, I grew up in a very conservative KJV-only church, and so I was taught that to be a good Christian, you should read your Bible every day. Um, you should read five Psalms and one proverb a day. If you were spiritual, you would read 10 pages plus your Psalms and your Proverbs. But if you wanted to be really spiritual and read your Bible through every year, 20 pages of the Old Testament, 10 pages of the New Testament, plus your Psalms and your Proverbs. I'm also a type A personality and a rule follower, and I do love Jesus. And so by the time I was 25, I had read through my Bible from beginning to end over 20 times. Um, before I met Adam and we were married, I had about 10 years of unwanted singleness, and I spent a lot of my spare time in scripture, studying theology, what I believed, why do I believe what I believe. But the problem was that all of that reading and all of that studying didn't change my everyday life. I knew a lot about God, and I was a good Christian, and I was a good person, and I went to church and did all the things. Um, but I was never convicted of my sin because I thought I was a good person. I didn't really think to talk to Jesus or what does Jesus think about this or that. Um, my time was just reading and then moving on my day and, and doing that. Um, I think, you know, spending time with God takes sacrifice. Um, but with any relationship, we need to push through that. Um, our culture and our enemy has tried really hard to keep us busy. There's also dry seasons in relationships. And so I just didn't want to make the sacrifice as as we were married and had kids I was tired <laughs> um, my kids would keep me up Adam would be working I was working and I just thought you know I need my sleep and so it was just something that I struggled to make the time for um, Galatians 6 7 talks about you reap what you sow so what you sow in your relationship with God I think is what you're gonna reap in your relationship with God and for me, it was more of a, I did my quiet time here and there um, enough to make me feel like I checked it off my to-do list and I didn't need to feel guilty, but there was just no everyday life change. I just, he wasn't my best friend. Um, but that changed about seven years ago. I went through a valley and a time where I just really needed God. And I started waking up early in the morning and setting an alarm um, and getting up because there was just some things that I needed to sort through with him and I needed to do it before my kids woke up. Um, and so I needed to start sacrificing some sleep, which, you know, God did take care of in the end. I just got tired later at night, which that was hard because I wanted that time alone with Adam because the kids were in bed. But um, I started to see that the more time that I made for God, the more that affected different areas of my life. 
Um, also, the more time I spent with him, the more I saw the depths of my sin, <laughs> but the more I saw his goodness and his grace. And I would often be overwhelmed with, why does he love me and want to spend time with me? Um, and so for me, in the last seven to eight years, uh, God has really changed a lot how my quiet time looks and that it has evolved over time. Um, and what that looks like now is um, I start with asking God for help. I ask him to reveal himself to me in his word. I ask him to open my eyes to see him more. That was a prayer I prayed three years ago that I didn't even think. It just came out, and I can't even begin to tell you the things that I have seen God do in the last three years because of that one simple one-sentence prayer. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. And Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. I think that if we desire God and we seek him and we ask for that help, I think that he is faithful to do that and to show up in ways that we could never imagine. Um, I start then with reading New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. If you haven't, you should get it. Every single daily devotional is short but packed full of so much truth and wisdom. Um, it's really great at helping me to remember who God is and who I am not. And then I alternate between reading scripture and doing Bible studies. Two years ago, I did the Bible recap also, and I loved it because it's a chronological plan. So I'd never done that before. I'd always read from Genesis to Revelation. Um, I learned how the Bible really overlapped, and there's so many pieces of the Bible that fit together that I just didn't know about. And I just really loved that, reading my Bible that way. I also picked a version that I had never read before. But this year, I've been doing different Bible studies. Um, my favorite this year has been the Trinity, also by Terry Lee Cobble. But it taught me so much about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that I had never known and just caused me to fall so much more in love with him. After that, I did Never Alone, which was parenting through the power of the Holy Spirit, which you would have thought was the sequel to the Trinity, but it wasn't. Um, that's just how God works. And it just really taught me the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me and how I can't do things on my own, but with him inside of me, I can. And then my latest one was Me, Myself, and Lies by Jennifer Rothschild, which taught me to recognize the lies that I didn't even know I was telling myself on an hourly basis. And that Bible study helped me to fight those, those lies with truths from Scripture and from promises of God, claiming those promises. Um, and then I actually love to read, but I'm really terrible at reading nonfiction books and, you know, spiritually, spiritual help books. So a lot of times I will take a book that I think would be a good read and would challenge and convict me, and I'll read a chapter a day. Because one chapter a day, I can do that in just a short period of time, and before you know it, I've read through a whole book. Um, but then I end my time alone with God with praying, and I think this is what has impacted my quiet time the most. Uh, learning to talk to my father in an intimate way. Um, I will often picture Jesus sitting there with me in the room, and then I will have a conversation with him. Uh, because when I think of praying to God in heaven or just praying out loud, it seems just so much more formal, but it has helped me to just open up and talk to him more. Um, I start out with just speaking out loud his attributes because my God is holy and just and faithful, and he is true and good, and he is lovely. And he's worthy of our praise, and so I, I should tell him that. But I also need to remind my sinful self that he is all those things because I often think that I am those things and that I am the God of my life. Um, 
I often then go into Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. That is a version between NIV and KJV, and that's just because I grew up learning KJV. Now I don't use that anymore, so I kind of get a little bit of Jen in there. Um, but I need to ask God to reveal my sin to me because Proverbs 16.2 says, All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. And so I need God to reveal my sin to me. And he is so faithful to do that. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads to our repentance. And I can even remember um, the prayer that really changed that for me. I was praying for somebody else who was struggling with sin, and I was struggling with them struggling with their sin. So I was praying for them, and, you know, like, God, would you just fix them? And God so gently showed me the plank that was in my eye and the pride that was behind that prayer. And it was so gentle and kind and convicting that it immediately caused me to repent, but then also changed the way that I was praying for this person that I cared about. Um, and then I pray over situations in my life. Uh, God has taught me that if I pray about something beforehand, it's a lot easier to accept the outcome afterwards. Um, and he chose to teach me this uh, many years ago when Addison was entering kindergarten. I'm ashamed to tell you all, it was a lot easier to say this when you're like practicing to an empty room, but then you have a room full of people sitting there that are going to hear this. But I can be a master manipulator. Um, I can see what I want and try to have persuasive conversations and try to lead people to what I think is God's will for fill in the blank. Um, but God taught me that that made me the God of my life and not him. And I still struggle with that because there is still somebody in this room right now who as I'm sitting there looking at him, I was trying to be persuasive a couple months ago to try to get him to do something that I thought was right. Um, but I'm a work in progress. Um, but when Addison was going into kindergarten, I really didn't want Addie to have this teacher. I wanted her to have this teacher because this teacher was kind and gentle and patient and loving, and that's what Addison needed for her first year in school. Um, and so normally I would have just gone to the school and said, hey, would you give Addie this teacher? They were really great with that kind of a thing, and um, we had a great relationship, and so I knew that they would say, fine. But God convicted me and said, I, I don't want you to ask. I just want you to pray and see what I do. So that was a little scary for me. So I decided to try it. And so I prayed and told God all the reasons this teacher would not be a good idea, all the reasons that teacher would be a good idea, but then also told God that I trusted him and that I knew that he loved Addie more than I did. He knew her better than I did, but he also knew her future, which I did not. And so I prayed that he would give her the teacher that would mold her and shape her for the person that he wanted her to become. And so the day that the envelopes were coming in the mail, I ran to the mailbox and I ripped it open because I could not wait to see how God answered my prayer because my prayer was open-handed and it was spiritual and how could God not agree with me? Um, so imagine my shock and surprise when God did not give me the teacher that I really wanted for Addie. He gave me the teacher that I had specifically asked him not to give her. And I felt fear and dread. I felt let down by God. I felt frustrated. So I went in the house and Adam came home from work at the end of the day and he dropped his stuff off in our bedroom, came out. I was in the kitchen um, making dinner for everybody. And he was like, um, what are all those dirty Kleenex doing on the floor in our room? Um, and it was because the first thing I needed to do was I needed to tell God that I felt frustrated and why did you do that? But also, I believe, help my unbelief. 
And so there was a peace in knowing that Addie had the exact teacher that God, the creator and sustainer of this universe, wanted my five-year-old daughter to have. And so there was this great peace that I had when I got up. Still a little bit of fear, but guess what? She had a great year. The teacher was in a very different place than when Isaac had her. She loved Addie. She was great. Addison loved kindergarten. Um, but that taught me that I don't need to always try to be try, you know, working behind the scenes. Um, and so I do try to pray over everything, no matter how big or how small. Um, there are times when I feel like God is leading our family to something or wants something for our family. And so I'll pray and ask him to tell Adam that thing that's on my heart. Because I don't want Adam to say yes, either because I'm being persuasive or if I have a good point or he wants to please me or I'm being naggy. It's different when I pray about it and don't tell him, and he comes and says, Hey, Jen, I think that we need to do X, Y, Z. It is so amazing to be like, Oh, my word, I prayed about that, and God talked to you about that specific thing. There's no way you could have known that. Or on the flip side, when we're arguing and disagreeing about something, and I know that he is very wrong, and I am very right. (laughs) And so... We have learned after 18 years to not fight because I'm just going to go and pray and tell God, you need to change his mind. (laughs) You need to help him get his heart right. But if he's not right or if he's not wrong and I am, can you show me that I'm the one who's wrong? And so we have saved a lot of fights because God at times will go to Adam and Adam will come back and say, Jen, you're right. I'm sorry. I think this is the way we need to go. But I have just as many stories where God worked on my heart and said, Jen, you're wrong. You can trust your husband. He is right. And so... I have learned to just pray over all things. I've asked God, my newest prayer is to move in my children's hearts because I cannot make my children love God. That's a hard thing. Um, I pray over circumstances and relational circumstances. And my favorite verse is Proverbs 21.1 to pray for for people. And it's in the King James Version, so really sorry. But it says, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. And basically just means it's God who changes hearts. And so when I'm praying for someone, I will pray that God will change their heart. And I know that when the situation is resolved, that's what God wanted. But on the flip side, I also think that, you know, God creates each of us with free will, and we all have a sin nature. And so we, I, people I'm praying for, my family, God can be trying to move. But I think that we can say no and we can be sinful. And so I think that even when God is trying to work and move in my heart or my family's heart and we say no, I can still trust Romans 8.28 that my God works all things together for good. So he is so amazing that when we choose sin over him, he's going to make it good. And that has helped me to trust him more. And I think that... You know, seven, eight years ago, especially ten years ago, where I am in my walk with God now, I never, ever would have thought that I could incorporate this into my schedule. Um, But I didn't start with all of this. I started with a little bit. But over the years, um, Adam talked about, I didn't even know that thing was, uh, Chip Ingram, I think, said, what excites you should get you up in the morning. But for years now, um, I don't even need an alarm in the morning generally anymore. Because I wake up in the morning and I am so excited to get up and have that hour of quiet time with my best friend where I can just talk things out with him or just sit at his feet or just listen to him or be encouraged by him, pray for others and pray over my day. And that excites me and it gets me up out of bed. Um, 
So I often do have to ask God to help me to fight the lie from the enemy that I'm too busy to invest in my relationship. And I think that's the, the struggle that I see now, um, you know, even within my community group or with friends is I'm too busy. And I just think that that's a lie from the devil because he knows the change that can happen in our lives when we sacrifice things that are hard for us to spend time with God. And I can tell you from my experience, the things you sacrifice and give up for God, you think you're going to be tired and more exhausted, but you're not. Because the excitement of knowing that God is working on this very thing that I asked him for, or you can see God work, or you can see God move in a friend or your job or a coworker or your child, it's so exciting that it takes away exhaustion. And it, it like what uh, Jason was talking about, it just fills you up. And so I just encourage you um, to do what you can to spend time with God and to get as much of him as you can. Because the more time that I have spent with him, and I know that I have a long ways to go, I know that I'm a work in progress, and I know that I'm not where God wants me to be today. But I do think that a relationship with God is supposed to impact every single piece of our life all day long, every day of every week. Yeah, so, so that's us. Again, I don't feel like we can say this enough, but we don't feel like we have this thing all figured out. And there's still times for us that we need to like reassess where we're at and make the changes that are needed. Um, there's still times that we feel like we're doing everything we should be, um, but we feel off or God feels distant. Uh, in fact, as we were preparing for this talk about a month ago, we were both feeling off. And I didn't even want to talk about this because it made me feel like such a hypocrite. Um, but once again, God showed his faithfulness to us. Um, he allowed us to persevere through the struggles of our flesh and attacks from the enemy, and we got to see God work again. He gave us the encouragement we needed uh, to share what he's done in us and through us. All right, so now is your turn. Um, what ways have you found most helpful over the years to know and enjoy God, or what has he used in your life to increase the intimacy of your walk with him? Who wants to go first? Who didn't get a chance to share at their table? I know. Come on, Maria. Was it you? No, I oh, okay. I okay. Stop. <laughs> okay. Adam is the king of being uncomfortable with silence. Yep. Somebody Scott taught me well 15 years ago be comfortable with silence. You all know this. Well, I was going to say something that helped me to increase the intimacy in my walk was um, my son was in the hospital, and it was a time that I knew I couldn't do anything for him, and I was freaking out. But then I realized, like you said, John, he knows, God knows what he's doing, and there's nothing I can do other than give it up to him. And it was really, really hard, um, but... I did, and then there was a calm and a peace that came over me. And every time, like, I got frustrated with him, I remember that time, and I said, you know, God, I just wanted him to be good and happy and healthy and loving. And he's not there yet, but um, I know that, you know, it's going to work out the way that he wants it to. And and he is healthy and he is happy, so mm-hmm. he's just going to be that person. But he was raised in the church, so I think yeah. that eventually he will come yeah. back. Thanks for sharing, Maria. I've been uh, reading a book um, by us um, called Wrestling uh, Jesus. And one of the questions I asked myself in the spring uh, how can I handle intimacy with the Lord? And um, 
certain discipline you use that God really used to draw you closer to him I will say one more thing please there is 111 (laughs) days left in the year and I saw that but what you had there was one of the resources that was maybe two days so I think that I'm going to say it before this whole group of people oh you got accountability (laughs) now girl yeah, that's the, that's the New Testament version of uh, the Bible recap. So, like, I started the middle of the year, so I started with New Testament because I didn't want to get, I didn't want to face the challenge of getting hung up in the Old Testament. I took the easy way out, and it was helpful, but then I did the Old Testament afterwards. Yeah, it's good. All right. Yeah, come on, Brian. Well, you know, One more. We have time for one more. There's a book by Kathleen Grant. It's on praying the scriptures. Mm. And for years, that has been a book that's been really helpful to me. And just reading scriptures and then reading prayers tied to those scriptures. And it just takes you through kind of an adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, mm-hmm. um, math. And um, I just found that really helpful. My connection with God and my centering around His Word yeah. as I Thanks, Scott. All right, so those are great. Uh, some others, journaling. I don't know how many of you guys journal. 
You, you can write out your prayers with God, your conversations with him, right? And then be able to look back and see what God's done. Um, silence and solitude is something that, that has been big for me as I've grown in my intimacy with him. Uh, the book Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, I don't know if you've read that, John Mark Comer, awesome book, kind of introduced me to that discipline and it was super helpful for me in my battle with anxiety was just the discipline of being still and remembering like oh yeah i can't fix any of this right like god has this under control Uh, fasting jason mentioned that in his sermon over the summer and i think another one just getting into nature and worshiping right like you talked about worship and how impactful that was for you but being out amongst creation and doing that can be really helpful All right, so what's next for all of us, right? Hopefully, if you came in here tonight, and as you heard everybody share, you realized, "Ah, I don't think knowing God and enjoying him is my my first domino. Maybe it never has been. Um, Hopefully, you'll be challenged to make some changes in your life and can experience the connection that God desires for you. Maybe it's diving into one of those resources or one of the things that you guys have mentioned here. Or maybe it's your own thing. God's already got you. You know exactly, like Maria, you know exactly what your takeaway is right now. Um, But whatever you choose to do, make sure that you're praying and asking God to make that change into you. Because he's the only one that can do it. And if that's you, would you let one of us know or your community group coach know? Because we want to be praying with you. And uh, we'd love to support you however we can in that. Uh, But maybe for others, you've heard some helpful options tonight, but you feel like, I have an intimate walk with Christ. Praise God. That's awesome. I'm super excited for you. And all of you are engaged in what that next step is, right, of serving. You guys are community group leaders, so you are the most crucial volunteers that we have at our church. But I would ask, are you serving on Sunday morning yet? If not, maybe jumping in there is a great, yeah, kids. Kristen wants you in kids (laughs) to serve in kids. Um, that's a great next step to see God working and moving and get to connect with the body of Christ. Or maybe if you haven't done this yet in your group, you can talk about your passion for Christ and following him and model that for the members in your group um, so they can see what it looks like. And sometimes I struggle, like, you know, I talked about, I don't want, like, the last thing I want to do is get up and talk to you about me because it, to me it sometimes feels prideful, but I guarantee you the only thing I'm up here doing is talking about what God did in me. And that's what Paul encourages us to do in Titus. We're to set an example to others. And that's for God's glory, not for ours. So if you're still looking for more, you feel like I got all that covered, I'd love to invite you to explore joining our counseling team. We're always looking for people who are passionate about following Christ and are actively seeing God change them to walk alongside people who just need a little bit of help finding that path of pursuing Christ. So we can help you get started with some of the same classes that I took, or if classes are not your thing, we've got other avenues to get you the training that you need, but I'd love to talk with you about that. So feel free to come up afterwards and just let me know. So the rest of our time is going to be devoted to questions or comments, or if there's other things that you, when I said one more, you were like, oh, see, that was why, and there's going to be more time. But before we do that, I just want to, I just want to take time and pray Give each of us time just to listen to God and to hear what it is he's encouraging us to do in our next steps of pursuing him. So would you pray with me? Lord, thanks for just an evening together, uh, an evening to remember you. God, and an evening just to consider what it looks like to pursue you more. And so, God, I just pray that right now that you would speak to your servants because we're listening.
God, I pray that, um, that you would let us know you more. That amid everything else going on in our lives, God, that you wouldn't allow us to miss out on what's best to know you. I pray that you'd open our eyes, God, that you'd show us, you'd teach us, you'd unveil who you are to all of us, God, that you'd allow us to enjoy you. And God, I pray that you wouldn't let us gloss over this. Uh, you wouldn't let us content ourselves with knowing just a bit about you. God, don't let us busy ourselves with other things that we would throw our lives away, trivial things or anxieties or perversities. And God, I just echo the prayer of Paul in Ephesians, and I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Questions, comments, other things you want to share? Thanks. All right, guys, we're going to release you. There is delicious ice cream downstairs in the lobby waiting for you. It's right at the, you know, bar table there in the lobby. All right? Thanks for coming. Appreciate all you. Thank you. Yeah.